0: It's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, Hoosier fans. Whenever you are listening to this, I hope you and yours had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday break. I hope for you it was a nice time to forget that you live and die with each possession that this Hoosier team has. And uh, I can't thank you enough for tuning in to the Often Daunted podcast with me, Burke White, where I recapped the last Indiana game, this one being the victory over Harvard, before sharing some news in regards to Indiana. Then, of course, I will be bringing you the results of our Big Ten brethren since the time of our last recording before looking ahead to provide a preview for the upcoming opponent, this being Maryland. And, uh, of course, getting you on out of here with that Hoosier history hit. But, yeah, the game game of discussion here today. That is Indiana's victory over the Harvard Crimson, 89-76. And as we do following each victory, we're going to play the song... You cannot falter in the battle. We're tried and true. Indiana, 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 we're all for you. Do, 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 do. I have something in my throat this week. Sorry guys. Despite going into the half down one to the dorks at Harvard, the Hoosiers were able to galvanize and come out much stronger in that second half. Heading into this one, the Hoosiers with six points favorite. The Hoosiers were sitting as a six point favorite uh, in a game that they put it together and came out with the much stronger second half. In doing so, they secured that nine point victory. So, bet on the Hoosiers. There you go. That's your lesson for this episode. If you're a better, if you're a gambler out there, bet on the Hoosiers, who I don't think have done well as of late. But hey, a nine point victory means that we beat the analytics today. So while while there were some moments that made you want to pull your hair out, let's go ahead, and that song we just played, let's comfortably enjoy that before I get into the, I mean, yeah, some of the worst. Let's get some of the worst out of the way from this game. That that first half defense was downright deplorable. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I was genuinely thinking, I, I, I think I think I've gone up against tougher competition in the recreational B League, in the hyper, than what the Hoosiers were giving on that side of the ball in the first 20 minutes. Weaker than pickup games at your local YMCA. It was incredible to witness. It it truly was. Every three felt like it was going to go in, uh, just with the lax pressure that we were offering on that side. And, I mean, that's just been a running storyline up until the, uh, hopefully up until the second half. Uh, It it was just threes all day, with Harvard ending the first half shooting 47% on 17 attempts from behind the arc. With Xavier Johnson going down with the lingering foot issue after 30, 13 minutes on the night, I will admit I was apprehensive about the defense finding a little more to give in that second half. But nonetheless, the Hoosiers did find a bit more pressure to bring in the second half as the Hoosiers were able to limit Harvard to a single three-pointer made in the second half. The Crimson looked to build upon their hot shooting first half, um, adding nine attempts in that second. But with the Hoosiers being able to hold the Crimson to 11% behind the arc, There really, that really is a, I mean, with the shooting, the three-point woes defensively that we've had, let's just take that little tidbit I just shared, 11% in the second half. Let's hope to God this Hoosier team can take that and uh, take pride in that defensively. This defense has been looking for anything to take pride in right now. And uh, yeah, this could be a point of pride for a defense that desperately needs something to build upon. So well, well done for stepping it up in the second half. That first half was downright, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it was downright terrible. But the Hoosiers responded out of the gate in the second, and we were able to stop the bleeding, for sure. It, and In large part because the Hoosiers just came out with more energy in that second half, which, I mean, story of my life with this program, I feel like, but, but it was honestly, it was effort. There was effort present that wasn't here in many of our games up to this point, and uh, I, I think the team should be applauded for that. And we'll get into effort, especially when we start talking about McKenzie. But effort, effort is such a difference, and it's like the baseline of a defense. If you aren't bringing it, like it's gonna show, and it has over the la- over this season. Um, luckily, the Hoosiers were able to really put it together and provide an effort necessary to shut down the uh, Harvard shooting. Just one other ugly. Well, yeah, we're getting through the worst parts of this game, and then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pump up these guys. I'm gonna really get into uh, what I liked about this outcome, about this result. In uh, just just a bit, but but first, I did want to bring up the painful fact that despite winning the battle on the boards, eighty four to twenty six, um, with the Hoosiers winning the offensive battle, eleven to nine, Harvard was still able to come out with more second chance points. That being eighteen points to fourteen points. Now I don't know the I don't know how many of those came off first half three pointers, but I imagine a few of those did if they ended up uh, beating us in the second chance points category. Another aspect of this game that was truly uh, scary to start but Indiana was able to cauterize the damage, uh, was just the unforced turnovers in the first. Indiana came out the gate and was turning the ball over at a rate that we just can't afford to take into Big Ten play. Luckily, when it tightened up, the Hoosiers were able to win the turnover battle, allowing 13 while committing 12 in the game. And even more, even better than that was the fact that uh, even while only committing one fewer turnover than Harvard, the Hoosiers were able to capitalize greatly compared to the Crimson Tide. <laughs> Com- not the Crimson Tide. God, that would have been nice if we beat the Crimson Tide. But no, <laughs> the Crimson, as Indiana had uh, 20 points off those turnovers, with uh, Harvard only being able to amass 11. And the lar- I mean, the single greatest thing we all witnessed in this game had to be the coming out of our guy, of our freshman, Mackenzie Mbako. Immediately following the Louisville game, Mike had some words to say about Mackenzie's struggles up to this point in the season. He said he's a young player, man. I mean, all of you guys expect him to be this great player right now because he's got this five-star tag on him. I think that's bullshit. Mike's going to bat for his guy. Of course he is. McKenzie absolutely came out looking to contribute in this one. He looked to get his rhythm. McKenzie got out to a quick start, dropping his first three or four shots taken on the day all within the first three minutes of this game. He was going out there and hunting his opportunities, which is exactly what he needs. In order to hunt those opportunities, you have to bring effort, and that effort bleeds into the defensive end, and it bleeds into the boards, and McKenzie brought his game today. He found his footing offensively in this first half. The defense was another story entirely, but but nonetheless, McKenzie was finally able to contribute to the extent on the offensive end that all of us Hoosiers were hoping to see all season long. Ending his night with 18 points, McKenzie really began working within his game and finding his opportunities to get engaged in the offense and contribute to the success of this team. He looked far more confident throughout this one, and that also could have contributed to his overall effort on the glass. McKenzie was able to end his night hauling in eight rebounds to add to his stat line, and I'm just hoping that this is the first of many games in which McKenzie and Baco can show everyone why he came to IU with the hype he had. Even if we, admittedly, admittedly, we as a fan base can inflate hype to unmanageable levels. It was nice to see him answer the call today. His defense was off towards the beginning, but he absolutely provided more than we've seen as of late. I honestly believe his confidence finding the bucket fueled the effort. And man, effort is such a factor on the defensive end that sometimes, it, sometimes effort is enough to make up for la- lapses in judgment or missed assignments. Like you, you don't get eight rebounds, as McKenzie did in this game, in a college basketball game without putting yourself in a position to do so. And where he, his positioning on the floor, wherever he was defensively, was right where McKenzie needed to be in this one. He he looked so much more involved just throughout the game, both ends of the floor, and thank Christ for it. Again, I, I've said this the past umpteen episodes, <laughs> at least every single recap I've done. If this team is going to be its best in March, McKenzie Mbako is putting up lines like this. He's contributing greatly to the bottom line of the score. And with his eighteen points, eight rebounds, also adding an assist on there for good measure, McKenzie looked every bit of the five star that we thought he would be this season. We I, I preached, hey, it might take some growing pains. And hey, there may be more ahead. There may be more growing pains ahead, but God bless him in this performance. I, I hope to God this is a sign this is the start of McKenzie's story as a force in the Big Ten. I hope that he can carry this performance into Maryland and bring some more production for us. This kid is a special talent. He has the he has the goods. He has the gifts that we need to hit on, if Indiana is going to take its stride to the next level of competition, where we need to be in order to compete of, at any level in March. While it was Mackenzie and Baco's coming out party, it was a lot more, a lot more of the same. Like in the like, Kalel Ware was incredible. Kalel Ware is a bad man, just a, just a total stud. This guy has brought a motor game in and game out and uh, truly put on a Superman-esque performance in this one to help secure the Hoosier victory in this game. Dropping 28 points on 12 for 13 from the field while also sinking his lone three following a nice a nice little pump-bake pass he had to draw off the oncoming defender. In his 33 minutes of play, Kalel was a one-man bucket factory against the Crimson. Bringing that motor, he was able to grab eight rebounds tying McKenzie for the game high. Just an absolutely dominant performance from a guy who I'm convinced he he is going in the lottery next season. He is going to the NBA. You can say com- t- competition is going to get stiffer because, it it yes, it definitely is. But he is doing enough in enough. Yeah, he is having enough of these performances where the NBA is a game of potential and he has all the potential in the world. You get some weight on him. He's going to be a monster. He's going to be a problem. And the NBA knows that, so he, yeah, he's all but gone once we get this, <laughs> once this season wraps up. So I'm, I'm just appreciative we have him while we do, because he is bringing it in a season where we all thought that him bringing it was going to be one of the largest problems on this team, one of the largest questions. This kid has undoubtedly brought it, and it's been the one thing we could rely on throughout this start of this season. Credit to Ware for just an incredibly huge night for the Hoosiers. I, I didn't even talk about the fact that he added three steals and two blocks on there. Five turnovers generated. How dumb would you have to be to shoot on this man? Great, great game from Kalil Ware. As for the other sophomore sensation we have down low for us, Malik Renu continued to be the most stabilizing rolled over factor from last season. Heading into this one, he had built up a ton of respect nationally in his opportunities both against UConn, however ugly that final score was, it, Malik earned some respect, I have to imagine, and against against Louisville. Despite a back issue bothering him throughout a ton of this game, Malik was able to be as steady as ever for the good guys here. While while nursing that back, Malik was able to score 17 points, going 8 for 14 from the field. He was a bit humble as to what we would hope to expect from him in this game on the boards with uh, 4, but that's understandable. That is understandable. You have to think that the first thing that's going to go if you're nursing a back issue... Is your uh, willingness to really bump down low for rebounds off the glass, but even even with that, he was able to just put his game face on, and fight through the pain to really contribute to the comfortable Hoosier victory. The the three front court starters all, all played incredibly well offensively, thus resulting in Indiana winning the points in the paint matchup, 50 to 28. Points in the paint are our bread and butter. Uh, they were all last season too, if you think about it. I mean, we went to Trace. Now we can just go to either of these guys. Um, not nah, I mean. Traces distribution like also just took us over the top as far as who we could and couldn't beat. But it's good to see that we have this these when all three of these guys are firing on all cylinders. Indiana will be a tough out. They will be hard to beat if we can bring it for a full forty. Trey Galloway's uh, Trey had a pretty tough game in this one. Trey's confidence when attacking the rim. Bleeds through whatever television you are watching him on. It genuinely does. You you see how hard he will attack that rim with the ball. But on the on his confidence when taking a shot right now, it definitely tends to drain confidence out of those watching the game. I just wish that Trey would allow himself some delusional and possibly just unwarranted confidence. Like you could say, oh, we need him taking the shots he knows he can make. No. Like sometimes it was a trait that Jalen hood embodied to a T. Even if you missed the last fifty three point shots you've taken. Act like you have no doubt that the next 50 are going right in. Trey ended his night two for nine from the floor, 0 for four from three, totaling in four points. And uh, just have confidence in your shot. Yeah, I, I don't know what would warrant more confidence than being than shooting 47% from beyond the arc last season. If that doesn't give you the confidence, I don't know what will. Trey, you're getting. I, I love what Trey brings to the team when he's bringing when he's fired up on the defensive end. When he's crazy, man, it's it's everything. It's everything. But we need him to have faith in himself. It's crazy. that That's what the case is. But, man, a lot of his shots look timid when, guess what? He, You are a sniper. You are a sniper, Trey. Go out there and snipe. And guess what? If you miss a shot, just believe you're going to hit the next one. And if you miss that one, believe you're going to drain the next two. We, we all have faith in his ability to make a shot. You just, you, you just want him to have faith in his own ability to make that shot. Again, based on this season so far, it would be largely unwarranted confidence. But man, just go out there and do it. Have it. Here's hoping that Trey can bring it and he can uh, find a way to steady his hand to uh, realize he is a bad man out there and really start contributing to this team's offensive bottom line. Uh, That being said, in regards to the shooting from him in this game, Trey was was very active in the offense. Being able to distribute well tonight, he was able to end the night with five assists. So while he only had four points, he was crucial in 14. In regards to X, I just pray that he can take it easy on his foot before Maryland. Maybe maybe not even run so much in practice, just just get a little introspective. Get a little introspective and really find out what he is going to bring to this Indiana team as a leader this season. Also also spend some time finding that irrational confidence in your shooting that I talked about with Trey. His shot does look a, a, a more confident than Trey's at this point, but as as far as what he's going to bring to this team as a leader, again, it was just <laughs> I just go to how he can tend to flip out on refs calls. And again, not a single ref has ever changed a call based on a player's reaction. And uh, yeah, I just, I i really, this this team of youngsters, because it, it genuinely is, should be able to look to, in so many words, the elder captain on this team and find stability, find a rock that they can turn to. X's fiery game has won us games in the past. The attitude he plays with on the floor can truly drive the Hoosiers sometimes. But man, there are some nights where we we don't need it we we don't need it and if he's not producing offensively as he does in those nights where he single-handedly won some games for us in the past we need him to just lead this team he he stirs the drink on the offensive end he gets everything going and we are going to need him like i here's hoping that that foot can heal well that he can get over that and uh that this isn't just a storyline in the back of the entire season i just pray that a healthy x can hit the floor and hit it with a tenacity on the defensive end a reliance on the, a reliability on the offensive, and just a willingness to compete that bleeds into the rest of the members of this team around him. X, love you, get better. In this game, the bench play was decent for the Hoosiers throughout this one. Again, I, I really do not like that platoon situation, and the abrupt lack of continuity that comes from it when when the second unit is on the floor all at the same time. A massive sub out is crazy. None of the it's it's you ain't got nobody hot in there to warm up next to the cold guys. Like you just gotta keep some people on the floor. Again, a sense of continuity, a sense of the rhythm that the game is currently being played at would be nice to have at the, on the floor at all times. When you do that platoon subbing, it just seems like, yeah, it's just a hard reset on everything we were trying to do. That being said, like, Anthony Walker was able to once again contribute well to the bottom line of this game. Nine points on three for four from the floor. He has a far better touch around the rim that we've, uh, than we've seen in the first few games. Caleb Banks taking some confidence in his shot, took all four of his shots from beyond from behind the arc in this one, draining two of them. But the stat that speaks to me is his three rebounds in ten minutes on the floor. He brought a conf- conscious effort into this game, and it shows on the glass. And you could you could genuinely see it out there on the floor as he was playing. C.J. Gunn had only saw three minutes in this one, uh, where he was able to drain the one and only shot he took in this game. It was interesting to see the reluctancy to turn to C.J. in this one. I. I don't know what spurred that. I mean, following his last few performances, I thought he'd begun finding his stride defensively and uh, begun, uh, again, baseline is defense. Defense fuels the offense. If you're feeling good defensively, that can do wonders for your confidence on the offensive end. And, uh, yeah, I, I trust Mike Woodson, but I would have liked to have seen CJ get a little more run in this one. With X out, Gabe Cups had a step up, and he had amassed 21 minutes in this game. And, he, I mean, here's hoping that we can see his game grow here. Quickly, if this foot thing with Xavier becomes a lingering storyline for this season, we will desperately need him to find his footing as a Big Ten point guard. In his time on the floor, he was able to generate three assists and also haul in three boards while going two for two from the stripe for his two points on the night. On the defensive end, he looked a a bit excited. I mean, rightfully so. He's a freshman getting to play major minutes. He looked a bit excited, and uh, that resulted in him amassing three fouls in this game. He he just looked to be committing late on shooters, and that, that really, really did him in. Um, committing to a point where he may not have needed to sometimes. <laughs> Dogging somebody for their effort to make up for, what I mean, just their effort in closing out defensively. After everything I've said about just bringing the effort, that's quite hypocritical. But uh, yeah, he, he, I don't know if it was just jittery play on that end, but here's hoping that Gabe Cuffs can uh, let the game come to him a little more find his flow in the defense, maybe not have to commit so hard closing out because he's already anticipated where the ball will be going. I'm so excited for what Gabe Cups is going to bring to this program in his time here. It's going to be a Hoosier that we will all, I mean, it's going to be a name we'll remember when all is said and done and his time here rocking the candy stripes is over. It, it, it'll it all come in time, but man, if, if X is out for any sort of time substanti- substantially or he's even liable to be out for any time substantially we may need Gabe Cups to become a prominent part of this team far quicker than we had thought or had hoped he would have to be I believe in the young man coach's sons they bring the effort (laughs) they bring the commitment he's got it nice to see Anthony Leo play a part in this one bringing a competent defense in that second half while also being able to notch a board and an assist in the six minutes of play after running down just a few of those individual performances I just had a few last things to say about this game uh, officials hate us. The the phantom fouls, I, this this is, yeah, fan time complaining. G- guess what? Officials hate us. They do hate us. The phantom fouls are now eschewing j- if Indiana is taking the floor. And I just want to say, knock it off. These referees have to knock this off. It's killing us. It's killing us. It's like, man, he, just Indiana's been working so hard to find it out on the defensive side. And then when there is a phantom foul called on that end, I want to punch my TV screen. Because it usually comes after we did our job on the defensive end, after we may have figured it out for a second. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Another thing about the game, a battle that I personally believe Indiana will need to win more often than not to win in the Big Ten was lost today by the Hoosiers. The Harvard Crimson were able to tally 11 points in the, la- in the fast break, while Indiana had a total of four. Here's hoping that these guys can come out to run with all of the inherent athleticism in this team. With the likes of Julian Reese and Jameer Young, I have a feeling that that's what Maryland's going to be looking to do. They aren't the most dangerous three-point shooting team, and it's going to be a game of athletes coming up. We need to capitalize in the fast break for this team to be the best version of itself. Indiana shot a respectable 13-for-17 from the stripe in this one, but I have a feeling with the defensive pressure that Maryland will offer, Indiana will have to be able to capitalize on each and every opportunity that we get at the line. And last thing I'll say on this game, I really hope that Mike Woodson was able to whisper in Malik Mack's ear. You know, and just, hey, 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 hey. My people will be calling your people fairly soon. Like, I, I needed that to happen. That kid has been incredible to start the season, and he kept it going in this one. There is a confidence in that young man that can spread to others on his team. And boy, would he look way better in our Crimson than theirs. Now, wrapping this up, let's put a bow on it with the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. The good, Kalel's dominance, McKenzie's finding his footing offensively, Malik's willingness to accept some pain, and Indiana's offensive output in the second. Yeah, I'll also throw Indiana shutting down the three in the second. Thank Christ for it. We needed it. The bad, Indiana's inability to generate points in the fast break. I truly believe that this is a team. This is a team built in a way that they have to win that battle in order to be the best versions of themselves. And lastly, the downright ugly. The first half three point defense and the turnovers to start this game. It was downright ugly. Deplorable. With that, let's get on to the show Walter Fish of the Game. That's a, that's what we do here after the downright ugly is a nice palate cleanser discussing the show Walter Fish of the Game. This, the Harvard game, show Walter Fish of the Game, goes to Kalel Ware. Duh. Duh, it is Kalel Ware. Again, 12 for 13 from the floor. Incredible conversion. 28 points on the night, eight boards, three assists. Two blocks, three steals. This kid did it all. And he's been doing it all. And I'm just so grateful that we went out there and got him. Truly. I was thinking about just all the possibilities with what could have happened with recruiting. And I was thinking about this like a week and a half ago or something. Uh, recruiting and just the transfer portal. And I was like, man, if we had Xavier Booker coming in and we we felt okay with Malik and Xavier and we didn't bring in Kalel Ware, this Indiana team would be in such a bad spot right now. Thank Christ we went out there, got some gumption, got him going. This kid's motor, I do not question in one one bit. No questions from this guy. I'm just excited to see what he does against Big Ten competition now. That is Khalil's third Show Walter Fish of the Game. That puts him in first place ahead of Malik with two. With the Show Walter Fish of the Game now in the books, putting uh, Khalil. uh I'm gonna I say Khalil. I say Khalil. I say them both. I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't know the correct pronunciation. I listened to an interview where I think he used both of them. So uh, I apologize to kal I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. But man, I love you. So just know it's from a place of love that I'm saying your name at all. With that in the books, let's get on to the Indiana News for you. First bit of Indiana News. I just wanted to give Dolson some credit for doing his job, getting off his ass, and starting the next chapter in Indiana football. I respect the hell out of Tom Allen and uh, what he stood for as an individual. He, he, he seems like a truly great man. But watching all of our Big Ten compatriots have fun on Saturdays makes me want a great football coach. RIP to the LEO era. Time to get mean, gentlemen. Congrats to Indiana, Indiana's men's soccer on beating the favored Virginia Cavaliers in order to advance to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. Next game is this coming weekend, facing off with the Fighting Irish in South Bend. A little side note for this uh, tournament run we're currently on. The winner of the prior two Indiana-Virginia soccer meetings went on to win the title. So, hey, there's just uh, food for thought. Virginia's out because we knocked their asses out. So, bet on Indiana, you degenerates. Do they allow for soccer betting at the collegiate level? That seems like a level of sports that could be easily influenced and corrupted. I don't know. (laughs) Go Hoosiers. No real recruiting news out there. So, I just wanted to throw out a few high school performances on the radar. Oh, also speaking of high school performances, before I get into actual basketball here with these high school performances, shout out to Bishop Lewer's 2A state champs, back in 2A, back to dominating annually. That's how they do it. Congrats to the Bishop Lewer's Knights. Okay, on to that high school school basketball. Whoa, I'm all over the place, sorry. On to that high school basketball. Montverde opened up their season with a massive victory over the team many consider to be a top 10 program in the country at this moment in Wasatch Academy out of Utah. With the Eagles securing the victory, 88 to 53, as Liam McNeely was able to lead all of Montverde's production with 20 points, going eight for nine from the floor, including an insanely impressive and much needed right now for the Hoosiers, four for five from three-point range. Liam then went four for six from three, as he scored 17 points in Montverde's 86 to 49 victory over the Faith Family Academy last high school outing. Trent Sisley, who I very much would like the Hoosiers to still grab in spite of the Liam McNeely signing, had a banner debut as the 6'7 forward tallied 25 points, 14 rebounds, and 4 assists against North Harrison for his Heritage Hills team this weekend. Again, not a lot of purely Indiana basketball news, so uh, with that, let's get on to some of the Big Ten results out there. After a tough stretch of play to start the season, Maryland found their footing, against UMBC with the 92-68 to victory after four Terps scored in double digits with Jameer Young scoring a game-high 20 points. Julian Reese with a double-double in that one. Following that game just Saturday, the Terps took on the South Alabama Jaguars where Julian Reese had a banner night with 15 boards and 19 points as Maryland seems to have found their footing a bit here following just that stretch of three games that I have to imagine most of their fans want to forget about. We're in for a tough game coming up. the The Terps team, the Terp teams, through the last two have looked more reliable than they were previously. Minnesota was able to take down the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, eighty six to sixty seven, with Dar- Dawson Garcia once again taking the role of lead producer with nineteen points while being one board away from a double double. They then faced off with the San Francisco Dons on sa- on Sunday night in the Chase Center, in, in, you know where the Warriors play. That's pretty cool. In that one, they looked far less reliable as they were beaten by the Dons, 76-58. Dawson Garcia once again leading the charge in production with 19 points and 6 rebounds. Michigan gained some perspective on the true abilities of this team in their first matchup with the ba- in the battle for Atlantis, suffering their second straight loss following the game against Long Beach State, where they lost in the first round to the Memphis Tigers in a close one, 71-67. Olivier Nekomwa led the Wolverines' effort with 18 points on 6-for-15 from the field. The Wolverines were able to follow that one up the next day with an 83-78 victory over Stanford, in which Doug Doug McDaniel led the effort over the Cardinal with 20 points and 8 rebounds. Following that victory over the Cardinal, the Wolverines were to play in the 5th place game against Texas Tech, where Texas Tech outpaced the Wolverines in the first half to a tune of a halftime score of 35-21. And despite Olivier Nicomois' 70% shooting for the day, the Wolverines could not chip away at that deficit. Ending with the Red Raiders taking home a 73-57 win. The Nebraska Cornhuskers were able to remain undefeated on the season following their 89-79 victory over Duquesne, where potential Big Ten Sixth Man of the Year, Juwan Gary, came off the bench to add 20 points on seven for ten from the field. That in addition to Kasai Tomanaga's 23 points was the bulk of production for Nebraska. They continued unbeaten as the Dutch destroyer rink mast led the Huskers to victory Sunday afternoon against Cal State Fullerton, 85-72, with Mass leading the effort with 19 points and 9 rebounds. Wisconsin went into halftime with the SMU Mustangs, down 24-32. Following that, working the ball into Tyler Wall, the Badgers were able to fight back and secure the 69-61 victory by the final whistle. Penn State took part in the ESPN Events Invitational, where they faced off with the 12th-ranked Aggies out of the gate, and where they ultimately fell to Texas A&M. Ace Baldwin was able to connect from deep on three of six from behind the arc, but his 12 points total were not enough to avoid the 89-77 loss. Their woes then continued when they matched up with the Butler Bulldogs, losing 88-78. Despite Qtis Wahab finding the bucket for a total of 28 points, despite taking nine less shots than Penn State, it was Butler's 50% conversion compared to Penn State's 43 that made the difference. Following both losses in their ESPN event, Penn State was set to play in the seventh-place game against VCU, where, despite Ace Baldwin Jr.'s 27 points dropped, the Nittany Lions fell to the Rams 86-74 to in defeat. In a field consisting of them, Texas A&M, FAU, Iowa State, VCU, Boise State, and Virginia Tech, Penn State would end the weekend dead last, with Florida Atlantic coming out as the victors over Virginia Tech in the championship game. An undefeated Oklahoma Sooner squad was able to get out to a quick lead on the Iowa Hawkeyes this week and never really gave them a chance to battle back in this one. After going blow for blow, following the 36-24 halftime score, Iowa's 4-for-23 night from behind the arc ultimately ended in the 79-67 defeat at the hands of the Sooners. Iowa then faced off with Seton Hall, where Peyton Sanford and Ben Crick's 41 combined points were enough for the Hawkeyes to come out with the 85-72 victory. The Michigan State Spartans lost to an Arizona team that is quickly becoming the country's most successful big-game hunters out there, 74-68. to 68. A.J. Hogard amassed 21 minutes in this one, as his woes from behind the arc reared its head again in this. Xavier Booker was unable to get a minute in this game, as Izzo has preached patience in this kid's potential impact on this team all season. He has yet to get much run in order to build up to that potential. Ohio State looked to make a statement when they faced off against Alabama and Destin, and they did just that. Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale Jr. went the hell off. As they dropped 29 points and 23 points respectively. Add to, the, add to that, Zedkey going four for four, off the bench, and the Buckeyes stuck it to the Crimson Tide, ninety two to eighty one. Running it back against Sant- Santa Clara the next day, the Buckeyes took them to the woodshed with the eighty six to fifty six victory. Jamison Battle led the Ohio State scoring, with twenty one points making five for ten from beyond. Illinois left little doubt in their eighty four to fifty two win over Western Illinois, and rightfully so. Dane Danger was able to tally 16 points and 8 rebounds as he saw increased minutes again due to Coleman Hawkins still out with a lingering knee issue. And while you want to take it easy on yourself in rehab, the more time Dane Danger gets to show the reliability he offers this Illinois team, you think that Coleman Hawkins is more and more at risk of losing his time on the floor with the hot and cold game he brings. And as I always do, bring up last, Purdue. Purdue, God, they, they did it. They had a hell of a showing in Maui. They did the damn thing. Purdue was able to beat Tennessee in the semis of the Maui Invitational in a brutal battle in which the 70 in which 78 free throws were taken by both sides. After struggling against Gonzaga, Fletcher Lawyer was able to carry the Boilermakers' production in this one, dropping 27 on the balls. Zach Eadie, of course, was able to notch a 23-point double-double. The tournament then culminated in the championship, where Purdue was able to hold on and keep Marquette at bay, to the tune of a 78-75 final score. Credit Zach Eadie with the 28-point, 15-rebound stat line to secure the victory. Great showing by the Boilermakers, who despite winning the Maui Invitational, still have to call West Lafayette home. Way to do the Big Ten, Proud Boys. And that was the latest results around the Big Ten. I'll, of course, be keeping track of the other ones from here until our matchup with Maryland, and I'll be reporting those in the next episode. But let's get on to the preview of this Maryland game. Right before that, I'm going to just have a little word for uh, my partners here. The Often Daunted podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports has been an awesome network to work with. Just a bunch of guys also guys and girls also talking ball just about their respective schools. Been fun bouncing ideas off of each other and looking forward to everything that we will be able to create together uh, moving forward. If you haven't seen uh, the Big Ten Huddle, we do do a weekly uh, basketball discussion on there. I've been on there a few times. Big Ten Huddle, I think it's on YouTube, also podcast version. Go check it out if you had, if haven't. You can, you can follow Big Banter Sports. And uh, if you haven't followed me, Burke White, on all the socials out there, I am everywhere at Often Daunted, at Often Daunted, at Often Daunted. Again, I just appreciate you guys giving me the listen. It is so much fun putting these episodes out each time. I I truly enjoy this hobby, and I truly appreciate you coming along for the ride. If you like the show, feel free to give it a review, give it a rating, uh, leave a comment, whatever, and uh, if you don't like the show, don't do anything at all. Thank you. Alright, now we're on to the Maryland preview. Sitting at number 57 in the Ken Palm rankings right now, ahead of Indiana at 74, Maryland currently claims the 153rd adjusted offense ranking, but has made up for it with the number 15 adjusted defense. Maryland is currently sitting at 3-3 three and three on the season. That being said, they, they seem to have found a bit of a footing here in their last two games. Admittedly against lesser competition, but I mean, after those three straight losses to Davidson... UAB, and then Villanova, this Maryland team may be beginning to find out how to work together in order to create enough offense that their defense can win them games. In in that struggling stretch of three games, the fan base seemed to to immediately flip on Willard after crowning him the man to lead this program following their unexpected success last season. Listening to the Big Banter Sports Network uh, Maryland podcast, the Turtleheads podcast, I got the idea that they were wanting his head saying that they may have all bought into a false standard last season. If you do want a little more insight into how they how those fans witness how those fans view their team at this point in time, go check out the Turtleheads podcast. But but this Maryland team like they entered this season with just they were widely regarded as a potential threat to contend in the Big 10. And if their pieces can find their footing, there is more than enough time for them to do so. Truly believe they could they could contend. Th- that being said, They have looked utterly lifeless in some of their performances offensively, which, hey, quietly, I can relate. But what they haven't been able to do is survive through those tough, close ones in the manner that Indiana has to start this season. Jameer Young is averaging 14.8 points on the season and 4.8 assists through the first six games, and he'll be looking to come out and make a point in Assembly Hall. Entering the season as a unanimous All-Big Ten first-team selection, he hasn't lived up to the billing through the first stint of Maryland's season so far. Currently, Jameer Young is the only active NCAA player with 1,900 points, 600 rebounds, and 350 assists. And he's absolutely the catalyst of the offense. He is responsible for stirring the drink of this Maryland team. This team has looked lost on that end at points throughout the beginning of this season. And much like I view Xavier Johnson's role in our own offense, to an extent, Maryland's woes should be on him as the elder point guard to take responsibility in the performance of the team as a whole. He will be entering this Indiana matchup following a 5-for-16 day from the floor, 2-for-11 from deep, in which he scored 16 points on South Alabama. That is a lot of shots for a fifth-year senior who only tallied four assists along with it. I believe that he is one of the best point guards in this conference. I truly do believe that. But his play as of late hasn't resulted in the wins for the Terrapins. The other preseason All-Big Ten selection for the Terps was six-foot-nine-inch forward Julian Reese. He is currently averaging just near a double-double with 9.5 rebounds and 13.8 points per game. And Julian is coming into this game off of a dominant performance on the glass with 15 rebounds. Adding to the bottom line for Maryland, he he was able to tally 19 points in that outing as well. While he is able to produce against the teams he has, I, I just have to say I'm not afraid of a 6-9 forward with the guys we've got down low. I, I just am not. I, I have to believe that our guys can take it to him. that the sophomore superheroes down low for us can absolutely answer the call here against him and who is expected to play third fiddle for the Maryland offense all season, which is the six foot eight, 230-pound fifth-year forward, Donta Scott. Donta Scott is entering this game, entering this Hoosier game, on the tail of a performance Maryland fans have been dying to see from him in this season. 19 points, seven rebounds against South Alabama is a great performance to build upon for him. Here's hoping that the sophomore duo we will be throwing at him can hit the brakes on that in this game, much like a lot of Indiana fans. Uh, A lot of Maryland fans are all looking to get more out of their highly touted freshman Deshaun Harris-Smith. I say like Indiana fans, but not after this Harvard game. We got it. Deshaun Harris-Smith came in as just as highly touted as a recruit as Maryland has seen. The six-foot, four-inch shooting guard came in as the 27th-ranked player in the class, and he hasn't lived up to the expectations. His last two games, just give a picture of the good and the bad that can come from this kid. Against UMBC, Deshaun was able to go five for nine from the floor, ending his night with 12 points and two assists. While in his most recent outing against South Alabama, Deshaun went 0 for 5 from the floor, taking all of his shots from deep. All five of those shots added to his 1 for 18 three-point woes for the season. With, with, with all that being said, this kid is talented. And much like Mackenzie Baco, has hopefully done in this Harvard game, I I believe I genuinely believe Deshaun Harris-Smith is due to breakout. Last individual on this Maryland team I wanted to bring up. Of course I wanted to bring him up, guys because he's uh, genuinely starting for them some games, the Maryland Terrapin fans have been lucky enough to enjoy the full-blown Jordan Geronimo experience this season. The highs and lows that are Jordan Geronimo have been with him all season. In a disappointing loss to Villanova, in which Maryland scored 15 points in the first half before ending the night with 40 total, Jordan tallied two points, going one for nine from the floor, while in his most recent outing against South Alabama, he was able to tally 14, going five for eight from the floor. Adding six rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Absolutely great. Just a great game all around. And I mean, and and if those two stat lines don't like it's Jordan. We all know him. So we know. We can't expect anything safely for how he will perform in this game. I'm intrigued to see if Jordan Geronimo comes out with a little chip on his shoulder. Even with that, if he's playing with a little edge out there on the floor, like to any fans who may be attending this matchup, be civil. Please be civil. Don't be a bunch of racist pieces of shit or anything like that, but but at the same time, give them hell. In-conference transfers are just, uh, it's a dirty business. And as we saw Northwestern give Miller hell last season, it is justifiable to an extent. No F. Jordan Geronimo, no racist bullshit that makes us all look like a bunch of redneck idiots. Keep it clean, but make it loud. Maryland has grown a reputation of winning at home, and rightfully so. Luckily, this one's in Bloomington. So bring the noise, give our guys that advantage, and uh, let's all hope to be celebrating the Hoosiers' debut Big Ten matchup being a debut victory Friday night. When I recap this one, here for you Sunday morning on the Often Daunted Podcast. With that short little Maryland preview for you in the books, let's get on with your Hoosier history hit, and then we'll get you out of here. This is your Hoosier history hit. For your Hoosier History hit, I'm gonna keep it short today. I just wanted to go ahead and discuss, you know, the order in which the old crescent was built. Just some of Indiana's oldest buildings on campus. You know where they are. They look like the oldest ones on campus. They're awesome. Majestic. I love I love as a history major, I just love the old I love old stuff that stands the test of time. And plenty of buildings on our campus do just that. The first two buildings built on the current campus were Wiley Hall and Owen Hall, both at the heart of that old crescent. Of course, the Wiley Hall isn't named after the first Indiana University president, Andrew Wiley, and Owen Hall being named for Richard Owen, a renowned geology professor at our school, and, the, and Indiana's second state geologist. Next built was Maxwell Hall in 1890. Did I say that uh, Wiley Hall and Owen Hall were both built in 1884? Because the next building built was uh, Maxwell Hall in 1890. Now, Maxwell Hall was originally Library Hall but was renamed in honor of David Henry Maxwell, also known as the father of IU. He is the individual that said, hey, we are putting a state seminary here all the way back in 1820. Following that, we saw the construction of Franklin Hall in 1907. And Franklin Hall was simply built as just rollover library space after Maxwell Hall just couldn't hold all the books, couldn't hold all the literature we had. That building is now named after Joseph Amos Franklin, an alumni who was once treasurer and vice president here at Indiana University. These are the, this, this is the old crescent, guys. This is the buildings you'll see right when you step foot through uh, sample gates. After Franklin Hall was built in 1907, the last addition to that old crescent that we saw built was the Rosewell House. And this structure, built in 1908, is now named after alumni, banker, and board of trustees chair Theodore Rose, who had the Rosewell House, you know, put together as a nice little meeting area for the campus just from pieces just salvaged from the old college building at IU's original Seminary Square campus. Yeah, hey, I I just like pointing out just, you know, we can talk basketball till the cows come home, but I just like throwing in a little history here and there for you. Thank you for uh, listening to that Hoosier history hit. Thank you so much for tuning into the Often Daunted podcast. Again, I truly, truly appreciate you guys giving me the listen. It's been a great journey putting this show together great to see i mean just i feel like the, show, the episodes are getting better i feel like it is night and day compared to where the first episode is just on uh, what i'm bringing to each program here and uh yeah just uh, your viewership those numbers going up it goes a long way and giving me the confidence to continue doing this and i truly appreciate it i hope you and yours have a great week um because we aren't going to see basketball until friday it's going to it's going to be a drag of a week as we all await the Terps tip, but I hope you and yours have a great one. I hope that uh, this Harvard game should put your mind at ease a little. This team did show a lot to love in that second half, and I am chomping at the bit to get at this Maryland squad. So have a great week, Hoosier fans. God bless you. Lux at Veritas. Go Hoosiers.